Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Walking with God in the Storm weekly podcast, and I'm your host, Dwayne Harold. I would first like to thank the kind people at Stowtown Records for allowing me to use the intro song, which is titled After the Storm. This song is sung by the Irwins, who have won a Dove Award, and they've also been nominated for a Grammy. This song can be streamed and downloaded at all digital outlets. If you would like to hear more of their great songs, I will have a link in this podcast that will take you to their project called Watch and See. I'm so glad to have as my special guest today, uh, Pastor Matt Pierce. He and I have known each other basically all of our lives. I just won't say how long we've uh, known each other. <laughs> Been a while. Yeah, really. Yes, sir, it has. But uh, he's a pastor of Rollins Family Church in Rollins, Wyoming. And he pastors a great church with loving family and loving people who know how to worship the Lord. I know this to be a fact because I've preached for him a few different times. Yes. Pastor Peer, welcome to Walking with God in the Storm podcast. And how are you doing today, my friend? Doing great. Walking with God. We're not in the storm. We're in a snowstorm. But <laughs> here, here in Wyoming, and you guys are in the heat wave there in Louisiana, huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, how much... Uh, so no, did y'all get last night? I said a couple of feet. A uh, couple of feet. Uh, we don't get that much in 20 years, probably. Yeah, something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I understand. Really. I'm from growing up there. I can understand that, you know, we have just a slight dusting of snow or, or a little frosting of the trees with the ice, and it shuts the city down. Yes, yeah, uh, that is for sure. That is for sure. But I'll tell you how it so, happens here in our, our public school system. The kids go out and play unless it's zero. Yeah, yeah, I imagine so because y'all are a little bit more used to it than, than just, what we are. That's for sure. Yeah, really. All right, well, let's get into this uh, interview. So let's start out with. Uh, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself as to, you know, where you were born, where you were raised? Well, I was actually uh, born in Monroe, Louisiana, raised there. Uh, and uh, at the age of about two years, my aunt and uncle, my Aunt Arlene and Uncle Bill, I had received the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus' name during a great revival with Brother Kenneth Phillips. And... Uh, they started bringing me to Sunday school. My mom and dad at the time didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, but uh, from the time I was two years of age until today, and I'm almost 61, I've been going to Sunday school. Hey, God, That's awesome. He's getting great. Yeah, yeah it's, it's always good when family does everything they can to help family to come to know the Lord in, in the truth and everything. Yes. So, uh, so what church did you uh, attend while you were growing up? Then I was uh, a part of the First Pentecostal Church of West Monroe uh, on Montgomery Street, or it used to be Perry in Montgomery. And uh, my first pastor was Brother E. W. Corn. Yes, good man. Good man. Yes. A lot of people don't know. Can't, or I don't know him, and I hope someone writes about him. But he was he had some great daughters, and one of them was Sister Felix Tenney. Yes, and I'll have to say uh, his oldest daughter, Sister Agnes Rich, was uh, yes, a she good, was good lady too. That's for a, sure. She was definitely a pioneer in pastoring up in the Midwest. Definitely, yeah. 
So let me ask you this. Do you remember uh, how old you were when God called you into the ministry? I really believe when I was real, real young, but from from the time I started really feeling it in my heart, uh, in my spirit, was probably about six years of age. Wow. So when did you, I guess, then acknowledge your call to the ministry? Um. I was with, with my best friend, one of my best friends at the time, Ralph Cornwell. He and I went to a fellowship meeting as in uh, several uh, independent apostolic uh, ministers. And it happened to be held at Brother Sonny Frank's dad's church. And uh, he came up to me. I, I went there as a singer. He said, son, are you a minister of the gospel? I said, no, 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 sir. I, I just said sing for the Lord. I, I, my friend said, why didn't you go ahead and tell him the truth? You knew you were called to preach. I said, well, <laughs> I've never preached before. I know I can sing a little bit. And uh, But Brother Franks opened up something in me to, as a 16-year-old boy that something began to pull at me. And finally, about, about a couple of months later, I went to talk to my pastor, uh, Pastor Dr. Fred Foster, and I told him I felt the call of God on my life, and I needed some help. Yeah, and uh, I, and I know that uh, Brother Fred Foster was a great friend of yours, and he, he actually preached for you on several occasions. So besides him, because I know he had to be a good mentor of yours, did you have maybe anybody else uh, that uh, you kind of looked up to or maybe encouraged you? There were so many, so many different people, um, but I'll start out with ministers, if that's okay, and then sure. um, lay ministers. But because, um, because it was Brother Foster was there, Brother Karn, he came back into my life when I was in my early twenties, and the church he was, he had put 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 a church back together that had begun to fall apart, and um, I was in a position, and they needed someone to work with the youth, and I was able to spend a couple of years, uh, kind of at his feet, and by literally, he would pull an old recliner, and we'd go to his house, myself and a couple of other young preachers, and we we'd sit there on the floor at his feet. And he'd tell us stories about the great revivals in the South, and it was just phenomenal. And then, of course, uh, uh, um, as I said, Brother Foster was probably the number one. But then, right, that one that really influenced me was a great man who went on to be with the Lord about a year ago, Brother Gordon Winslow. And as a young 19-year-old kid, he took me on as youth pastor in his church and then later assistant to the pastor and really he mentored me and was a friend and we had lost contact over 30 years and about five years before he passed away we got together again and he came out here about three or four times so I felt like it was a blessing from the Lord and those were ministers and there were several others that I have known through the years of course you know like brother brother Tenney and uh uh, and uh, Brother Pew and some of the people that we that we um, that we knew, but uh, yeah. But Brother Dwayne, if I could say this, some of the greatest mentoring in my life came from people like yourself and your brother Terry, uh, Bruce and Donna Bullock. Uh, there were um, uh, balls. There were um, well, your wife and and her uh, first husband. They were. 
uh, very kind to me as a young person. I, I was in the choir as a single young person, but for some reason I began to hang around all the uh, older young marrieds and just had friendships galore with all them. And it's because of people like, like y'all and I'm living for God today because sometimes a young person can get lost along the way and they love their pastor. The pastor can do so much, but he's usually busy. But if somebody will see them by the wayside, like Bruce Bullock did me, and, and find an interest that I have and cultivate that and connect me with the church, that's why I'm here today. Yeah, and, and I'm, too many people don't. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid they kind of overlook young people sometimes yeah and don't really take enough interest in them and and we need um each other we you do. know to uh support but we also need some older ones that maybe aren't even like you was talking about preachers just to uh, show an interest in us and kind of take us under their wing and, yes. and help us and guide us at times somebody that can say come up beside you and say you can make it I think it was the late Bob Benson that said if it wasn't for those kind of people in his life, he didn't know where he would be because he said he said that they would be beside me and I'd kind of run ahead and they said, we better go catch up with Bob before he gets in trouble. <laughs> or I might lag yeah. behind and they'd take me by the hand and say, come on, let's go forward. And I like that illustration because I, I think that you cannot be too positive when you're trying to influence a young person to go in the right direction. That's true. That is true. That is definitely true about the positivity and everything, not the yes. negativity. Yes. So hear too much of that. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, we do, for sure. Um, and I'm kind of assuming that at some point you did evangelize uh, before you became the pastor there in Rollins. And if so, about how long did you evangelize? Well, I, I guess after really acknowledging the call, I started pre preaching. I think I preached my first sermon. At seven, uh, uh, what would we consider a sermon at 18 years of age, and that was at Brother Winslow's. Although I had spoken uh, in a couple of situations uh, that would have probably been considered ministry. And then I uh, evangelized off and on and worked the jobs and had a band, and we traveled a little bit. Uh, and we did, I did that until, I guess, um, I got married when I was 26, and uh, my wife was my uh, my great partner. She still is, and and uh, she she uh, took me on a lot of evangelistic trips. We we preached in different places, but I was never a great mega evangelist. I always had a heart for people, and always wanted to be a pastor. And then uh, God, in His infinite wisdom and mercy, when uh, I was about, uh, I guess I was. Uh, I guess it was about 33. Uh, my pastor called me, and the church in Bernice, Louisiana, was open. And I had called him the day before and said, I just feel like God is going to open up a door for me to pastor. And this church came open, and uh, we were voted in 100%. And we spent four and a half years in a little town called Bernice, Louisiana. Hmm. Yeah, I forgot about that one. And so, 
And, and after uh, Bernice, what did you do? Well, I, we resigned Bernice after about four and a half years because it was a situation, and I want to be careful what I say when I'm going to say, but there were several churches within a 30-mile radius, and people played musical churches, you know. So I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I think I've done all I could do here, but if you let me pastor again, would you send me somewhere where people don't play musical churches? So he sent me to a city that is 100 miles from the nearest church. And in the middle of the winter, people can't play those games with churches because uh, you just, you can't, a lot of times you can't get out. Sometimes you can't go 10 miles down the road, that's less than 100, you know. And so, yeah. so he, he brought us to Rollins, Wyoming. And uh, that was in August. We were voted in in July. In August of 2001, we came, and, and by the grace of God, we're still here. And how long have you been there now? Working on year number 23. 23, wow. I tell you what, time definitely gets away from you. It does. Everything. I, was, I was kind of wondering how you actually had wound up getting up there with you being uh, born in the South. Well, and everything. Uh, I'll, I'll try to condense this story. Um, Brother David Acock, who pastors a church in uh, in Laramie, Wyoming. Okay, my balcony, you know, sorry. Um, he pastors a church in Laramie, Wyoming, came up. Um, it was interesting because we were pastoring a church in Bernice, which was the church that he resigned, uh, and then he came to Laramie to pastor uh, in 1997. And, and we would talk on Fridays at that particular time. Uh, several of the major phone companies had certain specials in different days of the week. And at that time, the company that they were with here in Wyoming gave them free Fridays so they could talk all they wanted to. So he and I would talk four or five hours on Friday nights, and he would tell us about the churches up here and how they needed pastors and they needed people to love people and help them win people to God. And, and we prayed for them and prayed for the churches up here, never knowing that we would come up here uh, to, to be pastors. And uh, it just so happened that we were coming to visit them. And this was in the uh, summer of, of 2001. And we were coming to visit uh, with them and we were going to see and, and have a couple of outdoor services. He called me about two days before we were getting ready to leave, and I missed the call, and I was sick about missing that call, and I don't know why, except that it had to be the hand of the Lord. So finally he got in touch with me, and he said, Look, I know you're going to preach for us, but the church in Rollins, Wyoming, needs a pastor. And every time that I pray and seek the Lord, he shows me, you and your wife, standing on the platform in Rollins. And he said, I really believe that you folks are the people that God wants to go to the city. And I said, well, would you please ask the Lord to tell me that? Because <laughs> yeah, that, really. that's 1,350 miles from home, and I sure, I don't want to mess up. I want to go in the right direction. And so, long story short, we prayed and sought God and came out and preached. And I, after this, the morning service there, I honestly told the Lord, I said, Lord, um, uh, I'm not sure what, what you want, but God, you know, I want your will. But Lord, I really want to get home. And when I said that, 
the Lord began to really put a burden on my heart and on my wife's heart for this city. And so we were voted in uh, in the middle of July, and we we were in the city two weeks later. Wow. Yeah, God has a, a way of bringing things together that he does. sometimes just blows my mind how he brings things full circle, so to speak, Yes, and everything. But that's God. Yes. It has to be him because when he does it, he does it right. Oh, yes, definitely. And I'm glad he does. That's yes. for sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, now, let's talk about the proverbial elephant in your life. As I said earlier, you know, we've known each other all of our lives, and when you were born, you were born legally blind. And I know there are different degrees of people being called legally blind, Mm -hmm. but just how bad was your blindness, and how did that have an effect on you growing up? It was was interesting because I had a... Loving family, mom and dad, and my brother and sister, and my grandparents, and and of course the church family and and good pastors, but um, it was it was difficult, especially uh, I think the most difficult thing to me was going to public school and dealing with their ridicule and and all of the the pain that goes away with being different, you know, and. Um, but but there was there's always been some fun times too because I think about uh, you're talking about legally blind and my oldest son who is 33 he was uh, when we uh, moved to uh, Bernice and we enrolled him in school and we were taking our first pastorate he told the teacher this he he said he said uh, Miss Brown said do you know my daddy is illegally blind. Okay. I'd never heard that before, and I don't think it's probably either, but, but he wanted to let the teacher know that his dad was illegally blind. Mm-hmm. With Uncle Rowdy, yeah. And to, to, to let you know what the vision that I've had is sometimes it's around 2100s in one eye and 2200s in the other. So it's, it's, uh, um, you know, the people will tell me, uh, why do you wear glasses? It didn't help much. I said, I'll take what little it'll help, you know. And the same yes. thing. And I, I never learned to use a cane and, and read Braille because I, I re- always wanted to refuse myself from being blind because that, that window that's, that's small, that's from totally blind to legally blind, uh, you want to be able to use what little vision you have to the best of your ability. And if you shut that window down, I think I think it's regret- regrettable by a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think too many times some of us uh, try to find excuses for not doing things for God. Uh, and I mean, and we don't have a reason, and we try to find that excuse. So, uh, so I, I do understand to a degree what you're saying about wanting to not use that as an excuse for what you do for God and just in life in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, you you, know, you deal with your issues, and and uh, one of the greatest uh, deals is 
you know, that I don't drive, I can't drive because I, I don't have the vision to. And my precious wife, Brother Foster said, if he figured it out, she had driven me over a million miles to preach. And so, mm-hmm. and she has been a wonderful lady and trooper in ministry, which I could not have done if I had not had a dedicated spouse. Yeah, definitely. And I do know her, and she has definitely been a blessing to you in so many different ways and everything. So God blessed you with a good wife. Keeps me going in the right direction. Her and Jesus, it's a full-time job, but they do. Yeah, well, they're a good team together to take care of you. Yes, praise God. Yeah. Uh, And I know in your younger days uh, that you also worked at a radio station for a while in Louisiana. What was that like? Oh, from the time I was a very small kid, I loved music. I always wanted to be a disc jockey. I always wanted to work on the radio. And my daddy kept saying, it don't pay nothing. So I still want to do it. And so uh, they they put a brand new gospel radio station on uh, back in, in January of 2000. No, it wasn't January of 2000. January of 1980. I'm, I'm pushing the cobwebs off called Gospel yeah. 103 out of Columbia, Louisiana. And mm-hmm. this happened to be a gentleman that I had known through the years who was an Assembly of God preacher. He's deceased now, I believe. Brother Charles Reed was his name. And uh, I really you know, wanted the chance to, to be on the radio. And my dad knew a guy. He said, well, the thing about being on the radio is that you have to get a license, but to, but you have to get, to get the license, you have to be on the radio. And to be on the radio, you you have to be on the radio to get a license. But, so, you know, it's kind of a catch-22. So yeah. uh, uh, I called them, and I went to see Mr. Reed, and it was in a, an old office building, way, uh, probably about four stories of stairs we had to climb to get there. And he said, well, anybody that wants a job that much and is, is a, a kid you know, that really cares about that much, said, I'm going to give you a chance. And so, because of uh, Mr. Charles Reed, I got on at the radio station, and my 17th birthday found me sitting in front of a microphone at 5.30 in the morning playing gospel music. Wow. And uh, I worked in several different radio stations through the years and would be doing it it today if I had an outlet. I always enjoyed it. It was just a a lot of fun for me, and and it's just... And when they say it gets in your blood, I guess it does. But so does preaching. <laughs> yes, it does for sure. Yes. Yeah. And uh, let me ask you this. And you kind of briefly just a few minutes ago touched on it, but to your remembrance, did you ever question God as far as your calling to the ministry due to your blindness? I mean, like, did you ever ask the Lord, why me? I'm blind. How can I serve you, or or what can I do for you and your kingdom? You know, uh, I, I'm sure I did, but I really didn't. I, I guess I didn't really think about it like that as much as uh, it was uh, because I was thinking about you know how good God had been to me. I've always been a pretty positive person. I know sometimes I've probably not been, but I'm ho- I'm asking the Lord to keep me positive. Uh, but I really uh, I never thought about it like that. But but there were people that came out of the woodwork to tell me why I couldn't preach. 
Yeah. And they, they, they meant well. I'm sure they did. But they just would tell me, uh, you know how hard it is to be out there preaching and, and no guarantee of this and the other? And I felt like Paul, uh, you know, when he said, woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. I've got to preach. I knew there were a lot better preachers than I, than I was. I knew there were people that, that were a lot more intelligent than I'd ever be. And I knew they could lay things down uh, for people a lot, a lot better than I could. But I had a heartbeat to be a pastor. I love people, still love people. People can frustrate you, they can aggravate you, but they can give you some of the best feelings in the world when you see them turn to God and, and give up all the things that the world has to offer and say, hey, I want to walk with God, I want to live for God. And really, uh, that call of God kept me going when when there was no nothing in sight to keep me going. Yeah. Really, and, and you kind of maybe answered the question a little bit while ago. This next question I was going to ask you is, how did you, or how were you able to really learn the Bible? Because I know talking with you and being around you as much as I have, you you know Bible, you know Scripture. So how were you able to really learn so much about the Bible and remember all of the Scriptures that you do? Uh, what helped me... I want to give. I wish that I could remember the name of the group, but I was in high school, fifteen or sixteen years of age, and my mom answered a telephone call, and this lady said, "I am," and she gave my mom her name, and she said, "I am with a certain uh, particular Baptist youth group, and they have come out with uh, cassette tapes of the New Testament." And we thought it would be nice to find a young person that feels call of God or the call of God that is blind or legally blind or can't read very easily and buy them a set of New Testament tapes of the Bible read by Alexander Scorby. And at that, I mean, now you can go, uh, well, they don't even have it available, I'm sure, probably in cassette, but if you, you can get CDs for probably 10 or $15, but back then, just the New Testament was over a hundred dollars, and yeah. this 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 sweet Baptist youth group bought me this set, this set of tapes, and for years I, after I got married, I still had those tapes, and finally one by one they would they worn out, but I believe it was sixteen tapes in that container, uh, from Gen from uh, Matthew to Revelation, and I would especially the Book of Revelation. I would just listen to it over and over and over and over and the Gospels, and I would rem memorize from listening to those cassettes different passages of Scripture. Now, I didn't get to a point where I was like the, the great brother Robert Baird and memorized whole chapters and stuff. I wasn't that ambitious, but I did yeah. want to know the Word of God. And really, I was saying about it the other day, because you mentioned it to me, and that is really what helped me was those sweet young people buying me those tapes all those many years ago, and it helped me listen to the Word of God and draw closer to the Lord. Man, again, this amazing, and I don't know why it's amazing. I mean, God is God, but it's still amazing to me how God just does things in, while we're young yes. that affect our future when we get older and everything, and how he just does that. Yes. I believe it's the Williams Brothers that have a song out years ago, He Keeps on Blessing Me. 
Yes, he does for sure, for sure. And I know after you got married that uh, your wife drove you around and all that to different churches, but when you were single, uh, how did you get from or from church to church or to a church to uh, to preach? Oh, my, my, my mom and dad sometimes, my brother and my sister sometimes, a good friend sometimes. I have a really good, so many good friends, but I have a good friend named Daniel. He lives in Oklahoma with his wife. Uh, they're precious people, uh, but he would he would find me places to preach and call me. So I got your revival books. You ready? And uh, <laughs> all the different places in Texas and Louisiana that he would be living at, he always seemed God used him to open up a door. But even before I was licensed with EPC um, to go and minister, and uh, that's always always been a blessing. But seems like it doesn't matter what uh, what area that, that we were called into. God always made a way. And then when Tabs and I got married, I was so thankful to have somebody that was not just driving with me somewhere, but somebody that was a part of my heartbeat and a part of the heartbeat of God to do something for the Lord. Yeah, really? Yes. Hey, at, at one time, uh, you had mentioned something to me that as an infant, uh, your mother, I don't think she was in church at the time, if... I remember right, but she took oh, yeah. took you to a church service, and while you were there, you were prayed for. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you how this thing really, really hit me. The story's been there in the back of my mind. I knew what happened. I'd been told by family members, my mom and dad and others, but but um, I, I faced a challenge here. Um, Years ago, someone had a baby, and there was they weren't. This couple was not married; they weren't really together. And they called me, but they because this one one part part of this, uh, I think it was a young man, and had knew about baby dedications, and they had agreed that, that whatever happened, they wanted this baby dedicated to the Lord. And so some people questioned me as a pastor why I would do that when the when the parents were not. Married and and I said, well, it's not this baby's fault how they got into this world. They still yeah, need really. they still need all the help they can get. We if we want if you want this baby dedicated to the Lord, I think it's a beautiful thing. So um, and it brought back to remembrance what had happened. But uh, with my vision problem, uh, my grandmother and my mother and. Uh, some folks in their family, I guess they were visiting one day and talking about healing. And someone said that this church that one of them went to, the pastor had believed in healing and had seen some miracles. And they ought to bring me over there and have me prayed for. So they were, you know, just very willing to do that from what I understand. And they took us to a little church, I believe it was on Joe Bill Street. In West Monroe, it was pastored by a, a sweet, godly man named Brother Jimmy P. Sims, and uh, so they took me over there and had me prayed for for my blindness, and they wanted God to heal me. And we still believe God is in the healing business, seeing heal yes. so many, so many people. But uh, uh, Brother Sims was getting ready to pray for me for the for the blindness. 
and and this is what I understand, and I hope I'm. I, I, I was talking about checking with my parents even today, but um, I believe I have this right. That uh, he said to my my mother, "I've never done this before. I know you folks aren't apostolic, but I feel like I need to dedicate this child to the Lord." Would you allow me to do that? And my mother allowed, allowed that to happen. And wow. within just a few months, my aunt and uncle prayed through the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. A few months later, my mom, a few months later, my dad, then my grandparents. And it was a great revival in our family. And I believe that, that when Brother Sims put me in God's hands, by dedicating me to the Lord, what? Anything that I've been able to do for the Lord, it's it's been because of the burden and consistency of that great man, that great man, Brother Sims, that walked with the Lord. And I just say, when when you feel like as a preacher, as a pastor, you feel like going against the grain a little bit and say, hey, this may be a little different. We don't know about this child's future, but we know that God loves all the children. And God loves yes. you and me, and whether you're 18, 8, or 80, he still wants you to be saved. And I believe it was because of that sensitivity of that great preacher that I'm here today and that many of my family members have experienced this beautiful walk with God. Yeah, it's again, here I go, how years ago God used, quote-unquote, a little simple thing which is a baby dedication mm -hmm. and because of that baby dedication so many of your family is now living for god and because of that baby dedication you being called by god to preach his word yes and how many people you have impacted by you preaching the word of god and how many people have come to the knowledge of god and the fullness and the of the truth and and how many people those people have now affected all because of a single baby it's amazing yeah this is that man having that that sensitivity to the holy ghost to listen to the voice of god and to do what the lord prompted him to say uh, to do no matter what anybody else thought or how they felt he didn't get somebody's permission he just uh, if it was okay with my mother he was okay with him and he wanted to obey god and i'm so glad that my mom and my dad were okay with that you know back then because nowadays um you know to baptize a young person we have to get permission from their family because we don't want to create any problems. Now, they can go have an abortion, and it's no big deal. But to baptize them in the beautiful name of Jesus, we have to almost get written permission. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, let me ask you an, uh, another question. Uh, and I know a few years ago, you were diagnosed as having Parkinson's disease. Now, when you first were advised of this, when you first heard the words Parkinson disease. What were your initial thoughts and, and feelings? I mean, it, it was kind of scary, but I really didn't understand it, and I ran from it, which was a mistake. Not, not to, I don't think you ever embrace those things. I, I, yeah, I don't, no, want, I, I don't want to be critical of other people, but I've had people say, "Well, this is my cancer and my heart disease, and my, and it's not mine." I'm giving it back to devil's devil threw it my way. I don't want his stuff, you know. Um, yeah. But having said that, um, I've 
I'm probably making some changes now in my life that I wish I'd done years ago. But the first several years after you're diagnosed, it just kind of comes and goes, and it's not there very often. And then when it hits you full force and you have the symptoms, it's uh, it's very interesting. But somebody asked me the other day, he said, you know, you're still pastoring, preaching, and ministering, singing, doing these things. I said, it's not because other people can't do it, but I still feel the call of God. And as long as I'm affected, I want to do the best I can. But having said that, you know, God, you know, I believe God is going to heal me. I believe in God for a complete healing. And somebody said, well, why God heal you rather than somebody else? I said, well, he's healed a lot of somebody else's. He's healed me too of little things. And God, you know, Whatever the disease, a neuro, neurological disorder, disease, is not no harder for God to cure than a headache. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, God well, is God. And But I did. When I first got the diagnosis, uh, it was two days before Father's Day. And uh, I called my pastor, called Brother Foster. I said, well, should I resign? Should I just walk away? He got mad. He said, no, Okay. you're called of God. He said, I've got friends that are called to God that are fighting cancer. Got some that are in wheelchairs. Got some that are uh, have this and that, many, many different disorders. And he said, they're still doing the work for the Lord. As long as you're, you're calling of God is on you, you need to keep doing the work of the Lord. And he's going on to be with the Lord. But I hear that voice in my head. You know, you can do it. You can make it. Keep on keeping on. And and that builds an excitement in me because I know that it's nothing in us or in me that, that causes God to do things. But I want to have a willingness to do what the Lord wants me, wants me to do. Beautiful song years ago written by Kelly Willard. And she said, the song says, if you don't have a willing heart, ask him to give you one. If you can't seem to make a start, trust in his power. For the Lord above is watching you. He knows what you're going through, and he'll make a way if you want him to. Just let him know. And that's the way I feel today. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. And every situation we get involved in, our God is faithful and true. And that, that, that's right. That is very, very good words. So let me ask you this, and and you've kind of talked about it uh, off and on throughout this interview, but with everything that life has thrown at you, uh, have you been able to cope with everything and with such a positive outlook? Uh, I'm crazy. No, you're not. <laughs> no, the truth of the matter is, you know, God, God is, and, and God has given me the greatest wife a man can ever have. God has given me three great boys, a great daughter-in-law, and two beautiful granddaughters. And if we, you know, I wonder if those grandkids were, we'd had those first. And, and they yeah. have been a blessing in my life. And pastoring the greatest church in all the world, saying, well, you don't have a big church. No, but we have a growing church. I had a friend that pastors in another city, and and I had, um, was talking to him about how many. I said, "How many you all run now?" Because you know it's kind of a big thing in the South. Uh, how many you run in Sunday school? Or how many you're, you're coming? He said, "Oh, we, he said we run about half a million, but we've only caught about a <laughs> 
But we yeah. we have a, a wonderful church of people that love God and love each other. And then, of course, yes, they do. We, we, we have a group, group of friends like yourself and your wife and others that we we gain strength from and fellowship and, and ministry together. And uh, I really think that's, uh, that's the key. And plus, uh, my wife is so good. And she is always, I'm on this diet right now, and she's helping me stay alive a little bit longer. But uh, it's so funny because she never will let me have a pity party. I can go get the cake and the ice cream and the balloons, and she will not let me have a pity party. Wow. So I just quit buying the stuff. Well, I would still buy the least of the ice cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gluten-free and uh, no sugar added, right? <laughs> that's no, where I won't say that, but good that's enough. Where, that's where we're at, right? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, uh, here at the, the closing, Pastor Pierce, of today's podcast, do you by chance have any advice or encouraging words to those that are listening who may have any kind of a handicap whatsoever just to let them know that a physical handicap is not a handicap for God when it comes to living for God or, or by being used by God. Well, you know, we can all make up excuses and we can say why this didn't happen or why that didn't happen. But we are, we are open and without excuse. The great apostle said, when, when we stand before the Lord, him we have to do. And when I look at all the opportunities that we have today that we didn't have years ago, uh, it doesn't matter what your disability is. It doesn't matter what your um, problem that might be physical, might be emotional, um, whatever it may be, uh, you are the one that lets it limit you. I'm the one that doesn't yeah. limit me. I've got to stand up in the face of adversity and stand up. Uh, and I go by a lot of songs, but another song says, I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. And there's always going to be somebody out there telling you why you can't do something. But there's always going to be a God out there that said he created you because he yes. knows what you can be. And and he, he, uh, he, he saw... Another song, I'm going to quote, he saw not what I was, but he saw what I could be. And mm -hmm. I'm so thankful that God does not give up easy. I'm so thankful that God loves us in a very special way. And I would just say to anybody, you can do it. You can do it for God, you know, uh, because as long as your heart is in the right place, your spirit is connected to the Lord and you're following that call upon your life, God is going to strengthen you and help you. And surround yourself with people that love God and that are positive. Don't surround yourself with gossip and negative uh, because those kind of things can, can uh, you know, make you uh, like what happened when, when I was in that boat and it fell over and that Johnson yeah. on the end fell in the water. You'll find yourself mm -hmm. dead and dead in the water and won't be able to go anywhere. So just yeah. you know, let that positive, uh, positive attitude and positive influence be there, and eliminate those negative influences. Turn turn yourself the deaf ear to all that junk because if you let yourself saturate all that in your spirit, 
you ain't going to be able to fly because you're going to be so weighted down with all that negative. That's true. That is true. And those are very, very good, wise words uh, from somebody who's experienced different things in life that life has thrown and, like you said, overcome because of the grace of God and the yes. mercy of God. Yes. And that mercy is fresh every morning. Yes, it is. That is for sure. Well, Pastor Pierce, I really do appreciate you taking the time for this interview today on Walking with God in the Storm podcast. And I, I know it has been an encouragement to everyone who's listening to this podcast. I know it's been encouraging to me for sure. And it doesn't make any difference whether they have a handicap or not that God can use them and everything. And oh, yes. I pray that God will continue to keep his hand upon both you and your precious family. So again, I appreciate you uh, being with me on this podcast episode today. Well, thank today. you for giving us the opportunity. And we just want to say we love everybody and go on for Jesus and let the world go by. Amen to that. I hope and pray that what was said today in this podcast will be a blessing and an encouragement to everyone out there who is listening. Remember that to God it does not matter if you do have a physical handicap or not. God is not limited by what our bodies can do or what they cannot do. He is only limited in what He can do by us ourselves. If you will just allow God to have His way, He can and will use you in the work of His kingdom. The choice is up to each and every one of us what we will allow God to do in our lives. And may the good Lord keep His hand of protection upon each and every one of you. And see you next time right here on Walking with God in the Storm podcast. And may the good Lord bless you.